Welcome to the Q-Files. In this episode, we're going to revisit an old haunt with new technology and restore some pages to the history books. Several years ago, during an early dawn road trip home from Louisville, Lori and I hatched a scheme to explore the paranormal in a big way. We wanted to hunt ghosts, specifically queer ghosts. We built a team and convinced some folks to take a chance and film us. A show was born, Queer Ghost Hunters. If you're unfamiliar, it was a big enough success that I could pretentiously say Google me and actually mean it. It took a lot of work to find places worth investigating. Fortunately, we had folks on our team and out in the world that were able to find fascinating locales with characters who still haunt. Characters that seemed LGBTQ to prying eyes. One of those places was Brendu Mansion. The haunt we were hunting was affectionately called Sally. Brendu was, and really still is, a sprawling palatial estate. One of those storied homes built by a railroad and coal tycoon. 52 rooms, immaculately decorated, faultless taste, unlimited means. Staff to take care of your every need. Modern nobility sitting on land that could be measured in the thousands of acres or the number of miles. The Jones family entertained the political elite of the day. Calvin Coolidge, William Howard Taft, Warren G. Harding. They entertained guests while Pederewski and Rachmaninoff gave intimate, private performances. The sound of the grand Steinway piano reverberating throughout the home. Sally and her sister Alice survived their father, and in 1927, Sally inherited all that was Brindu, a Midwest monarchy. Sally Jones, later Sally Jones Sexton, after an abrupt and abbreviated marriage, lasting just long enough to say it happened, well, she's one of those people that you'll love learning about. A nearly unbelievable Hollywood character brought to life. Articles about her from the time describe her as having a vivid personality a Jekyll and Hyde temperament, and a penchant for profanity. Often dressed in a white men's dress shirt, trousers, and loafers, her hair cropped short, neck shaven. She was enamored with horses and the theater. When she was younger, she would arrive to school in a chauffeured limousine, often finding herself in trouble due to her legendary temper and the use of language that others found shocking and unfitting. Eventually, she was sent to an all-girls boarding school in Connecticut before heading off to college. When reflecting on her time at Bryn Mawr in college, she said, I was a tremendous athlete. I played on all the teams and put more people in the hospital. She returned home to Bryn after college. Becoming the, quote, Duchess of Licking County at just 22, Sally shied away from running the family business and focused on the estate's horses, most of which were champion quality. In the upkeep of Brindu, the mansion, often referring to the home not as a place, but as her friend. Sally, much like her father, also entertained guests at her court, trading political powerhouses for stars of the silver screen and Broadway. The records produce a trail of stunning women. Patrice Munsell, Lillian Gish, Emily Williams, Leontine Price, Catherine Cornell. Stunning women who all have shrouded historical queer romances. 
Perhaps it's all just coincidence, but sussing out LGBTQ history is often an exercise in reading between the lines. Sometimes you get lucky and the evidence is plain, or folks used key phrases from lost community languages. Other times, you're really operating on nothing more than a hunch. Historical gaydar, family knowing family. For someone like Sally though, her wealth and influence would have insulated her from rampant speculation. The papers would have hidden their language. Sometimes things were just so well known during the time that it didn't really need mentioning. But that wealth and power, that insulation, would have allowed her to live openly, or at least more openly, especially considering lesbianism wasn't even outlawed. Nevertheless, our target was acquired. We were taking Brindu by storm, restoring a page to the history books, claiming a queen. The first investigation of Brindu was typical. Of note, we did make contact with an entity claiming to be Sally. And while we received confirmation of our suspicions, the methods were archaic. Uh, There's only so much you can do with dowsing rods, only so much you can believe without additional confirmation. We ruled the evening a success and made a promise to return. A lot happened in those intervening years, <laughs> some of which I'm not legally allowed to disclose here, but the major development was in the technology at our disposal. No longer were we limited to old divining rods, manipulated radios subject to group bias, or recorders where maybe someone heard something that sounded like something. No. Thanks to some creative and dedicated folks in Colorado, there was a new method now. One we have deployed numerous times. One that produces spectacular results. The Estes Method. Yes, taking tools every serious investigator of the paranormal has at their disposal and deploying them in a new way a way that arguably fixes the majority, if not all, the problems associated with a solo SB7 spirit box. As we briefly talked about in our Hensdale House episodes, the Estes Method is a very simple but highly effective method of spirit communication. It requires at least two people to work. It's also necessary to have some type of spirit box. Uh, We use the SB7, It's really just a radio modified to continuously scan radio channels. It sounds like white noise because it scans them so quickly. And it's believed that spirits can communicate through this noise. You'll need headphones. Noise-canceling headphones are strongly preferred. And a blindfold. Not just to add drama to the scene, but to also shield the receiver's eyes from any potential lip-reading. The receiver is the person listening to the spirit box. You see, the idea is to create this near sensory deprivation for the receiver, allowing them to fall into the wavering sounds of the white noise being amplified into their ears, and in many instances, trust me, actually falling into a trance-like state. When done correctly, the receiver is unable to hear anything else in the room. Their own thoughts might even drift away they become a vessel for spirit communication. Once comfortably situated and accustomed to the sound, the receiver can begin to answer questions posed to them by either a dedicated examiner or 
questions posed by the group at large. And I will tell you, the method is often astonishingly successful. Questions can be posed and intelligent, relevant responses can be received in real time. But where did this method come from? Who created it? And why does anyone believe it works? I mean, allowing folks to communicate with whatever phenomena is responding and whatever is out there? To answer that, we have to go back in time a bit, back to the heyday of PSI experiments. Back in the 1970s, some folks were tinkering around with trying to figure out ESP, you know, extrasensory perception. And this guy, Charles Onerton, he was familiar with prior older studies and was reading up on this idea of Gansfield, which is German for entire field. Gansfield was really the product of even another experimenter, Wolfgang Metzger. But Onerton put into practice and started running experiments directly related to Gansfield. The basic setup is very similar to the Estes method. It goes something like this. The receiver is placed in a chair in a quiet, isolated room. Halved ping pong balls are placed over their eyes. And then a red light is positioned to shine onto the ping pong balls and therefore into their eyes. Into their eyes with this diffuse, strong red light. The receiver is also made, as we said, to wear headphones. Then white noise, as we discussed, or sometimes pink noise, is played through the headphones. And indeed, this all combines to produce that state of sensory deprivation. The key difference for our purposes is that in the Gansfield method, the sender, the person trying to get information from the receiver, is in another room entirely. Specifically, this sender person is instructed to focus on a target and try to transmit that information telepathically to the receiver. The receiver is instructed to describe anything they see. And at the end of the 30-minute session, provided with images to select which, if any, they saw in their mind. While the Gansfield experiment is indeed fascinating, and you should absolutely explore it, and not to sound pedestrian, but Wikipedia has a ton of information on various PSI topics. But Gansfield alone has 46 citations and 18 subjects for further reading, so you really should explore it to understand how we get to the Estes method. Back in 2016, some friends were toying around with ideas of how to create clear communication with spirits or phenomena or whatever it is that is actually out there. Those friends, Carl Pfeiffer, Connor Randall, and Michelle Tate, are the folks who decided to really start toying with the SB7 spirit box and adding elements to it from the Gansfield experiments. What was born from those talks and experiments was what they called the Estes Method, named after the location where it was conceived, Estes Park, Colorado. If that sounds familiar, well, it's because that's where the Stanley Hotel is located. Yeah, that one, the one that inspired the hotel in The Shining. Conveniently, Carl and Connor were able to test out the method at the Stanley too. Pfeiffer actually created a wonderful series entitled Spirits of the Stanley and shares some of their results using the Estes method there on some of their episodes. 
You might also recall Carl and Connor from the groundbreaking series Hellier. They take the method even farther in the show during experiments with Greg and Dana Newkirk. Hey, if you haven't seen Hellier, it it really is a must-watch, and it's free on Amazon Prime Video and YouTube, or you can check it out on their website, weekinweird.com. But anyway, Carl and Connor actually gave an interview with Greg from Weekend Weird on the creation of the Estes Method. In it, when asked to explain what was going on with their creation, Carl is quoted as saying this. That's the big question. Are the spirits manipulating or broadcasting radio signals, which is always a contentious point with the SB7, or is it something more due to the listener? who seems to quite easily fall into a meditative, trance-like state. At this point, I can't discard either. And then finally, Connor answered with this. I think it's quite possible that the method is simply a barrier breaker to be able to perceive the voices of spirits that are trying to communicate via our minds. I have to say myself, having experienced the Estes method, I have to agree with Connor. But fascinating, right? And that's exactly why we ourselves like using the method. I mean, no one is exactly certain what is going on. So much as we're all certain that something is happening, uh, but something not easily explained. But the tool and the result are arguably one of the best, if not the best, paranormal investigative tools we currently have at our disposal. And Shane and I are starting to use it a lot. This brings us back to Brindu. Michelle had organized the second investigation months ago. This had the result of making everyone very excited and gave us an opportunity to look back at what we did the last time we were there. We pulled out old research, listened to old files, watched old footage. We had made contact. We did talk to Sally. But now... What if we could go back to exactly where we had exciting interactions last time and replicate it, but with new methods? What if we could actually talk to Sally in real time? Could we glimpse her vivid personality? Would she tell us more? The night I headed out to Brindu had been after a long day of rain. On the drive there, the rain turned to snow. Big, heavy, cotton-balled chunks of snow limited my vision and slowed traffic. The team, fortunately, was already in Granville, at the historic Granville Inn, formerly owned by Sally's family. While they were enjoying dinner, I was crawling my way down the road. I managed to arrive at Brindu before anyone else, which is admittedly rare for me. I am the embodiment of the late gay. Gay time is a real thing for me. It's a long, but not too long drive there from Columbus. Easy, but with last minute turns. You can see Brindu looming in the distance, only growing in size as you pull closer. It's tall white pillars grasping at the heavens, a stately, imposing structure. A final turn into the gate and you're met with old stone buildings in a large parking lot that covers where the first in-ground pool in Ohio used to sit. I park my car, sit for a minute, and then sit for a minute more, finally resigning myself to the awkwardness of being the only person here to meet our host for the evening. 
I gather my things and step out into the cold. I deposit my belongings and gear inside, make introductions, and eventually escape under the guise of watching for my team. Standing on the large back patio, watching the snow fall on what is left of this once great estate, cigarette in hand, soaking up the, I don't even know, the, the, the magical, majestic majesty of snow falling on something that's already beautiful. I knew the mystery of Sally would be solved tonight. And I don't know how, but I knew we would hear from her using the Estes method. I was the last to arrive. It never fails that I miss a turn when heading to one of these locations. I swear to you, my hearse will get lost on its way to my final resting place. Just saying. Anyway, I had convinced my niece and former sister-in-law to join us at Brindu. They've been on some adventures before, but never specifically a ghost hunt. And I knew they could be especially helpful this evening. You know, ghost investigations are always better with new people. It's something about the energy they provide, fear, curiosity, and excitement. But I also knew they didn't know the story of Sally like the rest of us. And it didn't hurt that Sally had a thing for brunettes and my former sister-in-law, Jessica, is an attractive woman and is a brunette. So with a little luck and probably a little convincing, I thought we could force the stars to align, give ourselves the best chance at actually hearing from Sally, actually getting her to tell us her secrets. We'd done it before, but tonight we would do it without yes or no questions. It would be the first time an entity had ever come out of the closet using the Estes method. picking class. I said the floor was like falling out. What's this cool thing for? I think that's a radiator. Oh, is that what that is? Remember that radiator for later. I have a, a history with radiators. So if you guys here, have you guys, I'm sure you guys have, have you guys tried the Estes method of the human spirit box? We've tried it. I haven't had any luck with it. We're going to try it now if any, no one has any objections. Nope, sure at all. We'll put Jessica, these two have never been on a ghost hunt before, so. We'll see. Uh, we need to talk to Sally. <laughs> all right. Oh. Jessica's going to do it. Same as over your eyes. Over your eyes. i got to get a picture of this. I don't like being blindfolded. <laughs> all right. Don't leave me. <laughs> That's the trick. Oh everybody, and then you know what? For everybody that first ghost hunts for the first time, this that is going to be the initiation. Right. <laughs> 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 Noise canceling headphones, and we all go. 
<laughs> that it's like is, every bad Scooby Doo episode. You've it ever is. Seen. That's right. That's so oh, Scooby Doo. No. Now this can make you a no joke. It can make you a little dizzy. Yeah. It can make you a little trancy. So if it gets too much, tell us. Because sometimes I've had to take them off. They just thing is, make sure your body relaxes. Yeah. Don't so, like, not tense. What does the box do to the headphones? The box, the box is, it's puts a, the frequency into the headphones. Okay. See. Are we ready? Yeah. Sally, we'd really like to talk to you if you're here. We've been here before. We've met you before. We've had conversations. Are you here? We're standing outside, sitting outside your bedroom here, I'm sure. You spent a lot of time here and a lot of time in this house. It's a beautiful house. <clears throat> We're very thankful for you to let us share it with you tonight. Are you here? Is anybody else here? that would like to talk with us. You can talk through Jessica right there. You can use our energy. You can use the energy from our batteries. Anyone here? There's a lot of ways you can let us know you're here. No. You don't want to talk with us? Or is there not a lot of ways for you to let us know you're here? Radio. Okay. Do you like the radio? Is that a bad choice to get you to talk to us? Stop. No. <laughs> Do you want us to stop? We'll stop if you want us to. Just let us know for sure. So you can say no or stop. Or go if you want us to continue. Let us know clearly what you want. Was that her door moving? That's her door moving. Is it? No. No. Should we stop? No. I would say yeah. Clearly she, saying no. She, we said Can you tell us no tell us stop. why we should stop? Can you say or or tell us what you want us to do? Are you moving that door to your bedroom? Music. Do you want to hear music? Mm. Play something like Patsy Cline or something. Yeah. I hear like piano. Oh man, she had a Rachmaninoff, Rachmaninoff come here. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. And one of the things that she was upset about when she lost the house was that she had to sell all the pianos.
Guitar? We can play whatever you want. That's it. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got chills. Uh, yeah. chills. Oh. Do you miss the piano? Yes. <gasps> can you turn it down just a little more, please? Does that make you happy to hear the piano play? Doors going crazy. Wow, that's a so door. Are you trying to get out of your room? You want to come out uh, to where we are at? Oh, that open the door? It's locked. It's locked. I hear it. Door. Holy shit. <laughs> Can you just walk through it? Door. Can you come to where we are? music? she okay? I can't. Okay, that was weird. I got no, really I cold. I don't know what was going on. You are not going to believe what happened. Oh, oh my, my god. What? Did someone go through me? Because I feel like no, someone went through no. me. No, even no, literally. All my questions. Like, yeah, like we, uh, she kept saying no, no, no. Yeah, then all of a sudden, she said, you said piano. And then she started playing the piano. I turned on rock and on and on. After this initial experience, Jessica, the receiver and the woman you just heard giving responses, needed a break. In the excitement of what had just happened, we told her what we had experienced and how her answers were seemingly responsive. It took a little convincing, but we got Jessica to put the headphones and mask back on and got her ready to try again. Sally? Um, that seemed very intense and that we really got to communicate with you. Um, what could we do that would make you happy? Is there more music you want to hear? Do you want to tell us about yourself? What hi. Would, hi. Hey, hi. Um, Lori? Uh, that would be me. Yeah. Hey, Sally. <laughs> me? Yeah, I'd like to talk oh. to you. My ears are ringing. I'd like to talk to you. I have some pretty personal questions to ask you. Would that be okay? Yes, I would. I don't want to offend you in any way, but we talked the last time, and Shane and I have read a lot about you, and um, we think you're quite amazing, especially for your time, and. You might not have heard me earlier, but I'm a lesbian. I'm a lover of women. Um, and again, not sure of language here all the time, but 
I'm gay and queer and a lesbian, and I've been that way my whole life. And I think maybe you were too. Um, and when you were alive, um, it must... You? It must have... Me, yeah, it's true. Um, it must have been very... No. It must have been very difficult. No, it's not true. No, it's not true? Maybe. I've heard you are you are quite first of all the charmer, second of all quite the joker. Um, I feel laughing. We're laughing because you are funny, um, especially when you said maybe to my <laughs> <laughs> maybe to my question. She's laughing. Yes. <laughs> You charm us, Sally. We're not laughing at you. You charm us as you've charmed most of the people in your life. Um, that You took over this mansion. Um, and so let me ask you this. And this may be a painful question. After you left... Old. Old. Old? <laughs> I'm feeling old. I, I can certainly relate. Um, when you left Brendu, did you go to live in Virginia with... Betty and Jane. Jane? Two of your friends? Well. Well. Betty and Jane? Do the names Betty and Jane mean anything to you? Here. I'll ask you straight out, Sally. And again, I know it's a personal question, but we have talked about this before. Just like he said, we're, you know, mom, your mom, you're in a safe community here. Not all of us, but a lot of us are, are gay here. So we understand. And it makes us feel proud to know people like you um, really live, <laughs> lived a full life. <laughs> too, too much for yourself. <laughs> Were, were you a lover of women, Sally? And do you know now it is quite a few years later, and do you know now the Supreme Court voted to allow men to marry men and women to marry women? Would have you possibly married a woman if you had the chance? Goose was my one oil. Yes. We're here to understand you, Sally, and thank you for being so honest. You had a, a, a lot of women through here um, in this house. Um, I'm imagining, and here we are sitting outside of your bedroom, um, I can imagine how you miss this place and you miss the women you loved. Help? What do you need help with? Can we help you? Do you just need help with the doorknob? Is that the issue? Need the key to your room? I find it really particularly interesting that I've come here over three years and that room's still locked. After this second attempt at contact, 
and what we took as an affirmative answer to Sally being queer, we continued on for just a bit longer, before Jessica could no longer endure being the receiver. From there, we went downstairs to regroup and to talk about how we would end the evening. Lori and I snuck off to have a cigarette and plot our next moves. We had seen a hidden object in the radiator outside of Sally's door, a key. We determined to let Sally out of her room and to do it alone. Sally's bedroom, which no one's ever allowed in. I can't believe we found this. So Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Shh. Can I get us in trouble? You know what I think we should do? Is steal this. And then they're gonna freak out. And this fucking... They won't find it tomorrow. No, I'm probably gonna get one from them. Seriously, going to lock picking school now. Sally, we're back. Come talk to us. Come talk to us. Just leave it open. Yeah, just leave it. Jessica said, what's that? And I opened it up. And there was a key. <laughs> but it didn't dawn on me to later that it might be the key to Sally's room. Yeah, no, I mean... You know what this feels like? What? Being queer at 14 and having to sneak a woman <laughs> into your room. <laughs> I get that. Totally. Having a total deja vu. That's it. All right. Just touch me when you're ready. Or are you we'll ready? Just, we'll just roll. <clears throat> All right, Sally. We, um... Stupid. Yeah. Um... We got Lori that you can talk to straight through her, but I have to ask the questions. So do you think I'm stupid? Do you think opening your door was stupid? 
we really wanted to talk to you and hopefully be able to kind of replicate what we did a few years ago. We had a really kind of touching moment with you where you were seemingly... Almost. Almost, you're right, yes. We're, we were almost able to kind of get you to see that we were, you know, part of your... You're mad. <laughs> you mean crazy? Because I'm not angry. Last time you told us that, you know, you, you were a lesbian, that you had significant and romantic relationships with other women. That's right. Yeah. Um, did you have that kind of relationship with Betty and Jane? Is that why you went to live with them? Were they just friends? Is that not their names? So last time we were here, when you told us that you were a lesbian, you were able to be out in your kind of everyday life. Is that, is that true? I think so. Good. That's great. Do you, I mean, so other people knew that you were attracted to women and wanted to be in relationships with them? Did you have a significant relationship with a woman? Or maybe more than one woman? Do you remember us from when we were here before? I'll look into it. <laughs> Do you take notes on who visits the house? Maybe. That's okay. That's good. Keep track. It was your business. Um. Were you in... Do you believe her? Do I believe who? Can you give me a name? Free. Do you feel free now, or were you free when you were alive? It seems like you had a really great life. It seems like you worked really hard to keep everything together. Was it hard? Maintaining the, the house and all the land? Being in charge of that? Then. I bet it was then. That's very good. Is that why you're you're still here? You this was kind of your favorite place. Hmm. Not much. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fun. All right, you try. Oh my god. You haven't done it all night. That's good. I've never done it before. You've never done it. Mm -mm. The house could explode or something with you doing this. I know, right? Much to my chagrin, the house did not explode due to my abilities. In fact, not much happened in any way that was productive. What I did hear, and it is something that Jessica heard too, was a female-sounding voice that was far, 
far away in the distance. She sounded distressed, and sometimes I think I could hear her say please. For now, that will have to remain a mystery, something to solve on our next visit. By the 1970s, Sally had lost all of her family's money. Her big lifestyle and personality to match was simply too much for what was left of the family businesses. She was forced to sell off the vast majority of her possessions and all of her property in what was described as the largest estate auction ever. When discussing Bryn Du after the sale, Sally was quoted as saying, this house is like a beautiful woman. If you don't take care of it, falls apart. Sally spent the later years of her life living with two female friends in a two-bedroom house in Virginia. When interviewed later about this house, she described it as small, that folks visiting would have to walk around outside to turn around. The reality is, while the house may have been small in comparison to Brent Dew, it was still a 26-acre farm. Sally was able to bring a few of her horses with her in the move. Sally died November 13, 1998. She was not buried, and it is rumored, but not confirmed, that a friend scattered her ashes at Brendu. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can follow along on our adventures and learn more about Sally and the Estes Method by liking us on Facebook or following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, friends, be weird, stay curious, these are the Q-Files. Thank you.